0: You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Boy, I am thrilled you're here. We are in the middle of just life-changing biblical truth. It's amazing what the Bible teaches us if we would just tune into it about living our life. I want to welcome you to our series on managing our life life takes management and without you exerting control over your life you're flying off the handle your temper's out of control your moods are out of control things don't go to suit you you're in the depths of depression you're on the highest hill uh, uh, imaginable you're screaming and cussing at everybody you're worshiping and praising the lord and at the drop of the hat you got a string of cuss words coming out what what are you doing? What are you doing? You've got to manage your life. You've got to manage your life. And that's what we're talking about. We're in our eighth lesson. And this has just been a great series. If you've missed, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss anything that, that the Holy Spirit is teaching our church. When you have to be out of town on business or you're out of town on a vacation, you make sure that you go back and you keep up with the whole what the Holy Spirit is teaching the this local body that you are a member of. You just cuz you're not here, you can't miss the truth that was revealed. So make sure that you go back. This series started on August the 18th so you can go back in your uh, on the podcast schedule and you can catch yourself up. You know, it's just amazing if you would redeem the time Where we live, it takes 20 minutes to drive into town. On the way to town and halfway on the way back, you've heard a whole service. uh, And just on the way riding somewhere, you can catch up. You can catch up if you'll just manage your time. Last week, we started looking at Joseph's life. I pray by now everybody has read Genesis 37 through 50. If you have, go back and read it again. You can't read this section of Scripture too many times, because every time you do, you see something different. Joseph, and we talked about this, was lied about. He was framed. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He had every reason. And, and this is the point of these, this lesson and even the next lesson. Joseph had every reason to be bitter. He had every reason to walk in hate. He had every reason to be full of unforgiveness he had every reason to be full of that revenge. I one day I'll get my. See, he had every. Re, he was justifiable in all of these emotions. He had every reason to blame God. He had every reason. God, where were you? God, why did you let this happen to me? I can't believe in a God that would let somebody like me go through what. I, see, he had every reason to say all of those things. Every reason in the midst of the most horrible things that that anybody could ever go through. In the midst of that, Joseph lived a very blessed, a very prosperous life that ended up being salvation for the entire world at that time. Well, God was able to use him mightily. I've got to ask myself, we have to ask ourselves, everybody in this church, what did Joseph do or not do that enabled him to be so used by God. And I want you to always remember this. The Bible Bible says God is no respecter of persons. God's no respecter of persons. So God will do in my life what he did in Joseph's life if I will do what Joseph did. God's no respecter of persons. And regardless of what I'm going through, God will bring blessings in my life if I will walk in the same attitude that Joseph did. So I, I'm, 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 I'm all in. I want to study what did Joseph do. Last week we ended by talking about the price of sin. And, and we talked about the fact that we re, this is not really anything hard to do. We do this every single day. This is just something we do every day. You walk in a store, and yes, you want it. Yes, you would like to have it. Yes, it would be fun. Clothes, shoes, a new gun, a new four-wheeler, whatever. Yes, I want it. It would be fun. I would enjoy it. The very first thing you do. It's universal. What is the very first thing every one of us does? The very first thing. What do you do? You go and look at that price tag. You go and look at that price tag. You drop it down and you walk away. And I just want to grab you and say, what are you doing? I thought you said you wanted it. I thought you said you would like to have it. Your answer is, well, I would like to have it, but that costs way too much. That's ridiculous. I'm not ever paying that much for that. We do that every day. It's a no-brainer for us. Just to tell you the truth... I've got my eye on a horse trailer. If you don't know a lot about horse trailers, it has a horse trailer in the back. It has living quarters in the front. The sides come out. It's the most elaborate, inlaid, leather. It's, it's just, it's gorgeous. The low end starts at 200000 for this horse trailer. And, and I really have my eye on that. And I have picked out the truck that it takes to pull that. And the one I want is 260000 for my truck and my horse trailer. And I really want that. I'd look good. I'd look good in it. I'm telling you, I'd look good in it. You're not even going to believe this, but my wife wants it. She loves those big stacks. She, she, she'd be an 18-wheeler driver pretty, pretty easy. She, oh, I mean, she loves it. And I've thought a lot about it. And I make enough money to have that. I can go buy that. Now, with a few adjustments, I need to sell our home, sell all of our clothes, all of our furniture. We would agree to eat one meal a day, and that would be meager. No more doctors, no more going out, no more, I mean, no more anything. But, you know, I could have that if I wanted it. Well, why don't I go buy it? I would have to give up too much to have that. The mistake we all make, and when we do, the mistake we make in sin is we ask the wrong question. See, we ask ourselves, would I like it? We ask ourselves, would it be fun? We ask ourselves, do I want it? Those are not the questions. They're not the. Qu- when you're looking at sin, what's the first thing you want to do? The very first thing that you want to do is walk over and look at that price tag. And then it's not a matter of whether I want that, it's a matter of the fact I'm not going to give up what that fun or that excitement, or that feel-good, or that desire, or that fact that I would look so good in it. See, I'm not going to give up what I would have to give up to have that. And we've got to get a hold of this in our life where sin is concerned because we're asking the wrong questions. We ask the wrong question. has nothing to do with whether you want it. Well, I just want it. I, I get that. Chapter 39, verse 6. Joseph's very handsome, well-built young man. Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Okay. We talked about this. Was Potiphar's wife good-looking? Not a doubt. Would it be fun? Would it feel good? Would it be exciting? Verse 9. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. See, p- p- Joseph didn't ask, did he want it or would it be fun? It- it- did I want to go do this? Why'd you do that? Just wanted to. See, he didn't ask, did I want to? It's a great sin against God and that's not a place that I want to put myself in. That- that's not a position that I want to put myself in right now. Okay, let's go on. Verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. He kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came in, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and that he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running, look, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. It's interesting. What this have to do with anybody else? But when you're in the middle of sin, you want to bring a lot of folks in with you. So this has to do with all of... He come and make fools of all of us. Us? I ain't in this deal with you. But I mean, anyway, that's just a side note. It's not in the notes. That was free. He came into my room, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. All right. <clears throat> lot to see here. Joseph ran. I want you to know there are times in your life that you just need to run. But you better not start talking about it. The longer you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more you think about it, you'll get around to justifying this in your mind. There's only one thing to do in some situations, and that's just run. Nope, I'm out of here. This is going to go in the wrong direction. I'm not paying this price, and so I am out of here. Run. Okay, very interesting, verse 10. Day after day she came. You can't just refuse sin one time. It's day after day in your life. It's every day. It's all the time. It's all the time. Day after day, we're resisting temptation. It's on and on and on. And I hear this especially from our young people. Tim, it's only one time. Good grief, I don't know what the big deal is. I only messed up one time. I understand. It's not all of the jillion times you went in the convenience store and didn't shoot the clerk. It's the one time you went in and shot him that you're in prison for. I don't know why we act like just one time is no big deal. Yeah, it's the one time That you're in the electric chair for. It's the one time that this crisis, it's the one time that you lost everything that you had over. See, don't act like it's only one time. It's always, you're always running from temptation. You're always running from temptation. Verse 16 She kept the cloak with her till her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. This rejected woman wants revenge. Now I want you to write this down. You're not always immediately rewarded for doing the right thing. You need to write that down. Young people, write this down. You're not always rewarded immediately for doing the right thing. As a matter of fact, often when you do the right thing, you'll get fired. Often when you do the right thing, you'll get made fun of by your friends. Often when you do the right thing, they'll sing songs about you on the playground. Often when you do the right thing, you will receive ridicule. See, you you don't get immediate gratification and a reward for doing the right thing, and you need to know this. At this point in the story, Joseph does not have the privilege that we do of reading chapter 41 in his life. See, we can read 41, we breeze through this and think, wow, what a story. Joseph is living this every moment of every minute of every day, and he has no idea what chapter 41 looks like. He's just trying to keep his head above the water right now. And he's being lied about and punished. He did the right thing, and this is what it got me. Have you ever heard that before? I did the right thing, and this is what it got me. Mad, furious, bitter, full of hate, hate for people, full of hate for God. God, I can't even believe in you. Why would you let this? God, where were you? Why? I prayed. I've been a Christian. I did the right thing, and now, God, you let all of this happen to me. See, here's where your faith comes in. Here's when you know if you are a person of faith. Are you going to trust God right now? been lied about. You've been lied about. You've been punished wrongly. Now are you a Christian? Now are you going to trust God? Let's go on. Verse 19. Potiphar's furious. He believes his wife's story. He throws him in prison. Verse 21. But the Lord is with Joseph in prison, showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, I mean, you got to underline that. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners over everything that happens in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Okay, Now, it, it, it doesn't spell this out, but I think it's pretty plain. What was Joseph's attitude? What was his demeanor? What was his countenance? I mean, what, what did he look like every day when he walked in the warden's presence? Was he full of hate, full of bitterness? You can see hate all over somebody's face. You can see bitterness in their jawline. You can see that desire to get revenge all over somebody. I mean, we just got to ask ourselves. verse 22, not long. I mean, he's in prison, and in a short time, he's the head of the whole prison. You you, you, you just got to ask yourself, what was his demeanor? Joseph chose his attitude. Joseph chose a smile. He chose joy. He chose happiness. He chose to walk in and pat the warden on the back. Hey, good morning, warden. How's your day going? I mean, he chose. He chose it. That's what we're talking about. This is what's called managing your life. This right here is what's called managing your life. Managing your emotions, managing your thought, managing your words. We're in a series on management of life. The definition of manage is to exert control over. We're using Joseph as an example to learn how for us to manage our life. And we're in a day and time where everybody has an excuse as to why they're unhappy. Everybody's got an excuse as to why they're bitter. Everybody's got an excuse as to why they got an ax to grind. See, everybody's got an excuse. Everybody's got a diagnosis as to why you're in the shape that you're in. Well, let's get Joseph in, lay him on a couch, and let's go back and talk about what happened to him when he was a young teenage boy and what his brothers did to him. Everybody's got an excuse as to why... They are mad, bitter, resentful. They live angry. They just live mad. See, we blame our problems all on what was done to us by our kids, our neighbor, our boss. Our See, I am where I am in life because of. Have you got time to sit down and let me tell you my because of? I really like studying Joseph because... There's not anybody that's gone through what Joseph went through. Yet he chose a great attitude. How do I know he chose a great attitude? He wasn't in prison long, they just turned the whole prison over to him. He's just in charge of everything. Regardless of your situation, and it may be bad, and I'm not here to make light of your situation, I'm not here making light of all that Joseph had gone through. Your situation may be deplorable. There's no covering up. And I I like what the Bible does. They don't cover up Joseph's bad situation. I mean, the Bible's laying Joseph's bad situation out here on the table. But what you see is in spite of all of that, he chose a great attitude each and every day he woke up. Regardless of what all you've been through, your attitude, your demeanor, your outlook on life— the way you talk to your coworkers, the way you deal with people that you deal with each and every day. You're snappy, you're short, you're mean, you're irritable, you're hard to deal with, you're hard to be with. I don't even want to spend my day around you because you're just mad all the time. Look at Joseph. Warden wanted to be with him every minute of the day so he just puts him in charge of the whole prison. Here's the deal, Joseph had a dream Joseph had a dream. He had a vision in his heart from God. And he lived on what God had put in his heart, not on the circumstances of his day. If he would have let life make him, he could have been bitter and angry and mad at God and furious at his brothers. If he would have done that, he would have never seen what all God had for him in his life. But God put a dream in Joseph's heart, and what a lesson that we are getting here as Joseph lived on that dream in his heart, not on what was done to him. Chapter 40, verse 4 through 7, and I'm just skipping through here to get some highlighted points. We don't have time to look at this all the way through. That's why I'm asking you over and over and over, make sure you read all the way 37 through 50 in Genesis. You've got to get this whole story. Verse 4. They remained in prison for quite some time. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. Each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked very upset. Why do you look so worried? Why do you look so sad today? He asked them. Is that weird to you? Now, just think about that for just a minute. Here in the midst of his own personal crisis, he's noticing what somebody else is going through. See, Joseph had the key to successful life. John 15 talks about us abiding in God, God abiding in you, and then your joy is full. As a Christian, we are to have a different life. And many don't realize this. As a Christian, you abide in God, not in your circumstances. When you're not a Christian, when you don't have that relationship with the Lord, then you can only abide in your circumstances. But as a God kind of person, your life is totally different. And we got people that don't ever miss church. You go to church every time the doors open. And they have never got a hold of this truth right here. They go to church and depressed, go to church and depressed, go to church and mad, go to church and mad, go to church and live full of hate, go to church and live full of anger, go to church and live upset, go to church. See, they don't. Uh, nobody has ever talked to them about abiding in God, the vision that's in your heart, what all God has done for you, what all God wants to continue to do for you, and you abide in that. If you take that out of your life, then you can only abide in what just happened to you right now. And you were just really happy until this person walked up and ate you out. And now you're all bent out of shape and you're jacked up. Whoa, 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 whoa. what happened? You're abiding in that circumstance. You're not abiding in God. See, what strikes me so crazy about this is after all that Joseph had been through, let me ask you, where is Joseph? He's in prison with the, these guys too. He's right there in prison. He's not living out here in some plush life, comes by the prison and asks these poor prisoners, what's the matter with you, man? Why are you so sad today? Joseph asks these prisoners, why are you so upset? Why are you worried? Why are you sad? The question you meet head is, why are you so happy? That's the question here. The question is, don't ask me why I'm sad. What do you mean, why am I sad? The question is, why are you so happy? The answer is, he is not looking for his circumstances for joy. He's not looking for what he's doing for joy. He's not looking at where he is for joy. He's not looking for the amount of money in his pocket for joy. Now, this is essential. We've got to get a hold of this. Where was Joseph when he asked these two guys, why are you sad? Where was he? In prison, right with them. What was Joseph going through when he asked these other two guys, why are you so sad? Here's the key to life. The key to life is get your eyes off of yourself. And if you can ever pull that off, if you can... Uh, I'm just going through so much. Just pray for me. I've gone through so much. I've been through so much. Oh, I'm... If, if you could just ever stop praying about all you're going through and think about somebody else. If you could ever stop... To, oh, I'm just... It's just hard. It's just... Damn, it's hard. I've had a hard life. It's a hard... It, if you could just... If you could shut all of that up and think about somebody else, it's amazing how happy your life could get really, really quick. But we just, we're going to only see life through me and what my position is and what's been done to me and what's been said about me and my feelings and how hurt I am. You're doomed. You're doomed until you learn to think about somebody else. Potiphar. Who thought Joseph was it turned on him and believed the lie about him. Joseph is in prison. Now, once again, these aren't the prisons of today. I mean, with king size beds and color TV and a tennis court. I mean, we're talking dungeon prison here. We're talking about hellhole beyond imagination. And here's where Joseph is living. And in that situation in life, Joseph asked, Hey, man, what's wrong with you today? Hey, bud, you you okay? Hey, man, what's happening? You know, if you'd walk into work and just walk into somebody, Hey, man, you okay today? It's amazing how your whole day would be different. It's amazing how your whole day would be different if you were concerned with the person to the right and the person to the left of you more than you were yourself. If we could ever get this one point, it'd be a life changer for us. Get your eyes off of your problem. Get your eyes off of your hurt. Get your eyes off of your situation. And you think about somebody else. You know, we could just go on and on and on, but this is the theme that runs through Joseph's story, and this is the message of Joseph's life to us. We're in a in a dangerous day in time when we justify all of our actions. We justify our sin, and we were justified in doing what we did we justify our our emotional outbreaks because this guy just flipped my switch he just pushed me over the edge it's not my lack of control in my temper it's this guy and what he came up and said to me and he just pushed me over the edge today see it we justify where we are and what we've done and what we've said and how we responded by what everybody around us did or said or acted. And, and that's a dangerous place to be in life. You, you can't control what anybody else does. You, you don't have control over Potiphar, whether he believes his wife or whether he believes you. you. You don't have no control over that. What you do have is control over your own emotions. See, I don't, I don't have control over the fact that my brothers conspired against me, sold me into slavery, Dip my coat in blood of an animal, and then told dad that I was eaten by a wild animal. I can't do one thing about any of that, but here's what I can do. I can get up and be happy today. Here's, I, I can't blame God, mad at God, wonder where God was when he let this happen to you. Remind God about what a great person you've been in your church attendance and how could he fumble the ball where you're concerned? See, what, what you can do is do something about your own attitude. And Joseph just continues to amaze me time after time after time after time. He just chooses a great attitude. He just chooses a great attitude. And, and, and what I like about it, the Scripture says, and not long. In a short amount of time, here he is. It's not long. In a short amount of time, here he is. Sold into slavery. Not long. In a short amount of time, he's in charge of all of Potiphar's house. Lied about. Thrown in prison. And not long, a short amount of time, I just run the whole prison. do not make any difference where I am. I'm just run the whole prison. In charge of everything that goes on here. There's there's not anything I'm not in charge of. How is all that possible? It's by you not blaming your rotten attitude on all that you've been through. And it's possible by you choosing a good attitude. We just continue to talk about how you look at this and manage your life. There's four points to get in this section as we finish. Point number one, always, always, always see the price of of sin stop asking yourself do you want it stop asking yourself would I get caught stop asking yourself would it be fun just look at the price of sin and here's what you need to know you will pay the price for it you, you won't get away with it you, you will pay the price for that sin now you just need to ask on the very front end is this what I really want to do Is this, do I really want to do this? Yes, I want that truck and I want that trailer, but I don't want to give up what I would have to give up to have it so it's not worth it to me. Second point is, you have to run from sin because it comes day after day. It just comes day after day after day after day after day. You run from it. You, you you just get away. I, if I'm there, then I know it's a possibility of that happening to me. So what I got to do is get away from that even being a possibility for me. I'm going to run from sin. You, you just run from it. And you manage your life accordingly. I go out of town a whole lot. I speak on the road a whole lot. I'm in Hotels and places by myself a whole lot. My wife always goes with me. That just eliminates a lot of problems. That just, see, I, I I run from sinage. I'm on the road teaching a men's seminar, and she goes with me and stays at the hotel. Do you, you see? You set yourself up for the devil to get you, or you set yourself up to run from sin. I don't take up the offering. I don't count the money. We've got a number of people that count the money. We've got those folks that sign that they counted the money. That money then goes into a safe. That money that was counted then is taken to the bank, put in a deposit. That deposit and what the bank says has got to line up with the people who counted the money. I'm not ever around that. Tim, would you steal the church's money? I'm not ever going to find out. I'm not, I'm not ever going to find out. I don't know what it would be like to be in a financial tight. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's here. Boy, I sure could use an extra hundred this week. There's $100 in cash and nobody's looking. Here's the best thing you can do run from sin. There is, we've got a system in place that it's impossible for me to get my hand in the offering. I can't believe you. Here's what you can believe. You can always know I'm going to be running. That's the way I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be on the run because I know what sin costs, and I'm going to stay on the run getting away from it. And here's what I'm telling you. If you stayed around and washed dishes with Potiphar's wife long enough, just keep staying in that house. And keep going. <laughs> just keep on doing that day after day after day. And she keeps coming to you day after day. You can write this down. Are y'all with me? Number three. And you need to know this, just know it straight up. You're not always instantly rewarded for doing the right thing. Not at work, not at school, not in play, not on the playground, not with your friends. You just know you're not instantly rewarded for doing the right thing. And then number four, the way you handle your tough times is you put your eyes on others and what they're going through, and you be others-focused, not yourself and what you're going through. Wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, choose a good attitude. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight we just recognize that your word is not sent to just amuse us, but your word is sent to be a light to our path, to be a guide to our steps. Your your word is sent to illuminate the kind of life we're to have. Oh, we take this message and not be a hearer only, but that we apply this to our day as we wake up tomorrow. Continue to direct and guide us as we choose to live in a right attitude with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.